Jack Stein, Spike O'Neill, Mr. Tucker Carlson, five nights out of the week. Is that right, Spike? How often do you watch Tucker? Uh, until my gag reflex overtakes me. And, <laughs> no, no um, nice. I, I know. <laughs> hey, neither was what you just said. Either. No. Uh, you know what? I mean, I, you know, I'd be honest with you. I try to watch as much opposing viewpoints as I can. Okay. You know, one of my news resolutions is to become more open-minded and yeah. to and to try to hear the other side of the story as often as I can. But when I watch that show, uh, and I, I never watch it in real time. Luckily, I'm on air here at Cairo Nights when that show runs. So I, and, I'm, and I mean <laughs> that wholeheartedly. Luckily, I, yeah. it is. Because that way I can go back and I can watch clips of it. They're available everywhere. Um, but I can't, I really can't make it but a couple of minutes. And really? I just, I just, is it, is it the delivery? Is it the bad audio? Cause you know, they don't, they, they mic the room. They don't mic him. <laughs> so you, you, you get the ace, you get the AC in the background. It's pretty bad. It's, it's the detachment from reality. Okay. Yeah. Is what it is. It, no, it's, it's the narrative. It's the spin. It's the, it's yeah. the, 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 the attempt to, to gaslight me. Well, okay, this is my problem with Carlson before we get into his bombshell report about January 6th is that, Carlson and his team have in the past done fantastic investigatory journalism. They've done great work, whether it's on COVID-19 or, you know, the, the Biden administration, Trump administration. I mean, they have on occasion done very good work. Yeah, I'll the problem give you that. is problem is, is that when you I think what is going on now is that the more partisan we become as Americans, the more partisan the punditry becomes. And so they're trying to maintain a certain amount of i don't know credibility within these extreme circles and so you're not actually getting people who are what i will say are being good faith anymore you are getting people you are getting people who are giving their audience what they want to hear because their audience expects a very particular product and at that point in time you can't change your mind at that point in time you can't be anything other than that guy right you, you know what i'm saying Spike? Like, like once you pigeonhole yourself in that way you can't come back and say that you were wrong about something. Well, well, like, no, I, no, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I agree with that because they will believe anything he says. He could say anything oh, I, he wants to at that point, I think. He could say anything he wants to. But given the evidence we saw from the Dominion hearing or the Dominion, the, the, the text released from the, the, the trial of Dominion voting machines oh, against yes. Fox yeah, News, yeah, 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 his, yeah. his services to the bottom line, his services to their stock price, his services to keeping their audience, not informing their audience. But sure. keeping their audience. And I think this falls in the exact same pattern of what his priorities are as a broadcaster. Yeah. So there's a lot of people out there that still to this day maintain that January 6th was a hoax, that it was perpetrated by the federal government, which there is some evidence to suggest that. But they think that there's this movement out there. It's called Free the, the J6ers is the yeah, movement. Yeah. And so there's still people out there who think that this was instigated by antifa or that it was you know there's all kinds of conspiracy i've heard one person say actually some person messaged me on my youtube channel and they said that the entire thing was uh was fake meaning that it was a movie set they they that- built a u.s capitol set <laughs> you right. know, somewhere so- in a cornfield in iowa if you build it they will riot so the background of this is kevin mccarthy once he becomes speaker of the house he's got forty thousand hours of footage and rather than release it to all media outlets he chooses to release it to tucker carlson for why 
I don't know. I think it was Kevin McCarthy politicking. I think it was a bad move on his part. But Tucker Carlson goes through the footage last night, and he has a lengthy segment that is dedicated to January 6th, revisiting the case, trying to make the case that it actually was not that big of a deal. And he did a what I will say is a fantastic job of trying to make that case, even though I think that he is wrong in every single way. So here's Tucker Carlson, uh, what he said last night on Fox regarding January 6th. The crowd was enormous. A small percentage of them were hooligans. They committed vandalism. You've seen their pictures again and again. But the overwhelming majority weren't. They were peaceful. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists. They were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the Speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously revere the Capitol. Except this, for the ones who poop yeah. in the Capitol. But we'll or, go you on. Know, you know, or we're trying to steal stuff <sighs> or you know, dropping cigarettes yeah, on yeah. the floor of the rotunda or, you know, stealing Nancy Pelosi's stuff. But, okay, so the problem with this is, is that this is spin, right? This is what he is doing is what he is accusing the mainstream media of doing, which is selectively taking footage and then piecing it together and then saying what you are actually seeing did not happen. And I find this to be really bizarre. I understand what he's doing. He's got to make a product for his audience. But, like, it it doesn't make any sense to me in the sense of, like, Spike, remember the example that I gave in the pre-show meeting that when there were the George Floyd riots Mm -hmm. in Southern California, you saw people breaking into uh, a Gucci store or a Tiffany store on one side of the street. And then on the opposite side of the street, you saw people holding hands and singing We Shall Overcome. So if if the mainstream media had only shown the footage of people singing and, and, and uh, being peaceful about it, people would not be outraged about it. Right. So Tucker is, is effectively doing the same thing here. He's just selectively cutting out the footage and showing people what they want to see while trying to downplay people, you know, breaking in through windows, uh, uh, punching police officers. 140 officers injured in the day, five officers right. dead after so, the fact. And, and had he said, and it would have been fair had he said, on the north side of the building, this is where we see the rioters and this is where we see the more militant groups trying to get into the Capitol. And then on the south side of the Capitol, we see people being let in. That would have been fair and balanced, right? That would have been a fair way of talking about this. But instead, he makes it seem as if a few of them were ne'er-do-wells and hooligans and vandals, and they're bad, but everybody else is good. It's a bizarre twist of language that is bad journalism because he's not showing people the full story. And it's, it's just not it, – it, to me, it just came across as bizarre in so many ways. Well, you said something in the pre-show too that the, the side of the Capitol where officers can be seen opening the doors – yeah, and letting yeah. these folks in. Yeah. Now that in context comes after the fact, well, they've already breached the Capitol. They are right. in the Capitol to avoid yeah. further injury and destruction. They're in the Capitol. Open the doors. Let them come in freely. Let them let them invade the space yeah. without, without, I, more, without more physical altercations and risk of injury to citizens or law enforcement. I read the report from uh, somebody who was there, one of the Capitol Police officers who was there, and he was saying the call went out to let them in so there would not be any further violence. Exactly. And so what you see now, though, is that Carlson comes out and he goes, well, they were giving people tours and they were guiding people around. They were trying to get people to leave. That's from the, the reports from these officers. They couldn't just leave them alone. They had to f- effectively chaperone these people right. to make sure that they weren't getting into certain 
uh, places and, in the and building. And they, they didn't want to take somebody down and cuff them or zip tie right. them to right. haul them out. Further inflaming an already aggravated group, mob, group, whatever you want to f- refer to this. His, yeah. his handling last night of Officer Brian Sicknick. Pretty um, rough. Can we play this? Bad. Yeah, go ahead. And okay. Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie the Democrats have told us about January 6th. So Brian Sicknick had two strokes. That's how he passed away. And the medical examiner for the USCP released a statement two years or last year where they said that his death was, quote unquote, caused by natural causes, a stroke, which were of the result of being in that situation and in that scenario, that high stress situation and scenario. And there's actually medical documentation here from Harvard Medical talking about how high uh, areas of stress 30% 30% increase in having a stroke. For Not to mention is, getting pepper sprayed in the eyes. Right. So so for me, it seems pretty gross for Carlson to so, yeah. go after Sicknick, who he may, not, he may not have died at the Capitol, but he most certainly died as a result of doing his job. And that's what I mean. Like, Why couldn't he just take the that perspective on it? That's what I would have recommended to Carlson if he and I were buddies, if we were bros. I would have said, guy, there's a lot of inconsistencies here. I agree with you. But attempting to do apologetics for these people who were actively harming police officers, actively looking for Nancy Pelosi, actively looking for AOC, actively saying hang Mike Pence, to do apologetics for those people is really gross, bro. You probably shouldn't do that. That that would... if. Carlson and I were talking. That's what I would say to him. And I'd call him bro for sure. Yeah, be bro. I, I, that would be the nice thing about said to the guy. So here's the problem with that, Jack, is that somebody is going to deliver this message to that audience. And if it's not Tucker yeah. Carlson delivering this narrative to that audience, they'll go to another channel, whether it's Newsmax or I can't even tell you who's still on the air, you know, OAN or whatever. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, I mean, they will go somewhere else. They will. And, they and, and he has shown his only, only priority is to save and protect and grow his audience. Yeah, and I just I there is a way to talk about January sixth and be fair to people. There were people in there who just thought that they could walk in. Juice box lady is a great example of this. Yeah, remember, yeah. remember juice box sure. lady? She's just walking around, she's taking pictures and she's drinking juice. And do I think that she deserves to be in prison for two years? No, I don't. Uh there's Lectern guy, the guy that, that lifted up Nancy uh and carried Lewis's. it home, souvenir shopper. You bet. Well no, so he he picked it up, yeah. he, he carried it about ten yards, right. he took the picture and then he brought it back and he put it down. Gotcha, right? gotcha. And they tried to get him for, for felony theft. Uh, on that should that have happened no should he have gotten a trespassing charge yes i mean there's a way to talk about this you're right and be a reasonable human being there is no way to talk about it in such a way where you try to downplay violence and you try to downplay vitriolic hatred that these people had for their elected officials there were people there who their entire intent was to try to get congress uh, and the senate to change their mind and not certify the election who stopped the steal Right. It was the entirety of their intent to do so. And to say otherwise 
is is to be, I think, ignorant to the story as a whole. You want to say federal agents were there? Fine. I, I, you want to say Ray Epps was a Fed? Fine. Should they have been there? No. But if I'm at a if I'm at a rally and I have a permit to be there, and then someone says, "Hey, we're going in and we're going to break windows," am I going to am I going to do that? It's like the old adage: somebody jumps off a bridge, are you going to do it too? No, you're no. a juice box guy in the back of the crowd, uh, wandering in later. I just want my juice. That's right. what I want. I'm, so, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, and this is the issue with it. Like if, if somebody came to me and they said, hey, did you hear that there were feds at the BLM riots down in, in L.A. or in Kenosha or wherever? I would say, okay, that's bad. But does that uh, relieve the people who were rioting of their responsibility to not riot and not burn stuff? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. These are all bizarre arguments that people throw out there. And also, this is only Spike and I's opinion on this. You've got multiple GOP senators coming out saying that uh, um, uh, Carlson is totally wrong about this. We've got uh, Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina, who certainly know... I wouldn't necessarily call the man a rhino. No, I wouldn't necessarily no. call the man. I mean, his, his voting record when it comes to Donald Trump is uh, within the 90th percentile. And he had uh, this to say about Carlson's segment. Last night, millions oh, of Americans. Now, Chris Schumer. I apologize. That's, I, I, highlighted, <laughs> I highlighted the Tom Tillis audio. I thought I had it there. Let me, let me try it yeah. again. Because, I mean, of course you know what the, the Democrats are going to say. Yeah, about Tucker yeah. Carlson's lease. We're not going to bother giving you that because you could probably write it at home without even hearing it. So here's, yeah, here's Tom Tillis. I think it's bull****. I was here. I was down there. And I saw maybe a few tourists, a few people who got caught up in things. But when you see police barricades breached, when you see police officers assaulted, all of that, or you had to be in close proximity to it. If you were just a tourist, you should have probably lined up at the visitor center and came in on an orderly basis. And he's exactly right about it, right? And again, this, this goes back to the north side of the building, south side of the building thing that everybody gets confused about. Alex Jones is on the north side of the building. That was the rally that they were going to hold. He was permitted to be there. He was asking people to not go into the Capitol actively because he said, don't go in there. They're going to use this against us. Everybody stand back and nobody listened to him. So that initial rally that was supposed to take place the the permitted rally went away instantaneously when people broke through the barricades well when groups when groups like the oath keepers have an organized uh, documented plan with weapons stashed just on the outskirts of the city and move into the capital under a military formation to with with a with a full intent to stop the steal you can't make the argument that they're tourists with a couple of ne'er do wells who broke a few windows and had some. Yeah, and that's what's so unfair about it. It's like, why not just? I'm not. I'm not coming down on Carlson for his perspective on it. I'm coming down on him for his presentation of the issue. Just, just be fair about it. North side of the building, south side of the building. Some people walked in. A lot of people broke in. A lot of people were punching cops. I watched the footage. I was watching the footage all day that day. So for for him to say. That the majority of them is were tourists, I think, is an insult to the Capitol Police officers who were assaulted that day. 140 um, officers were injured. Officers lost eyes. Officers lost fingers. Officers yeah. had permanent PTSD injuries. And and five officers took their lives or died from injuries, suffered during that attack. And then you can say that's unrelated. But when somebody has lived through the most stressful job, uh, stressful day of their life, yeah, yeah, and yeah. sees yeah. and sees what they perceive in the middle of a of a battle. A hand-to-hand combat battle with protesters, i.e. rioters, yeah. and, and that leads them to take their own life. If you don't connect those two, you're being disingenuous. 
Uh, here's John Thune of South Dakota, also no Bidenite, uh, who also <laughs> um, disputed Carlson as well. Here's what that sounded like. I mean, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was an attack on the Capitol. I mean, he said it was not an insurrection. Was it an insurrection? Well, I don't know how you want to describe it. All I know is that uh, there were, yeah, there were a lot of people uh, in the Capitol at the time who uh, I think um, were scared for their lives. So uh, you can, you know, however you want to describe it, but it was a, uh, it was an attack on the Capitol. So to be to be fair and balanced, what I would say is that was were there a, a percentage of guys and gals out there who were trying to uh, form an insurrection? I would say yes. Is it all of them? I would say no. I would say it was probably what maybe two or three percent of the people there who entered the rotunda and tried to get into the Capitol and who were walking around in military garb, who with zip ties, looking for Chuck Schumer. Yes, I would say that those people were trying to, to inspire an insurrection. The juice box lady, podium guy, QAnon shaman, I don't think so. That's my fair and balanced take on this. Uh, it, that's, a, that's an accurate statement as you could say, okay, I'm going to go through all these BLM riot videos. And yes. I'm going to find peaceful people walking down the street and yes. show you those. And say the entire narrative that the BLM riots were just peaceful protest. Totally with, peaceful. With, with probably the same percentage of people burning and looting. As we're destroying property and breaking windows and assaulting officers at the Capitol. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It it, it doesn't take, you know, a majority of a group committing violence and and crime to make it a violent criminal moment. It doesn't take a majority. It takes a few outliers. And when that happens, that's what gets all the attention. Yeah. I mean, it's fair. I mean, that's that's when you show. I've told you the story about the, the lady in Baltimore after Freddie Brown was killed. Baltimore, my hometown, burnt, they're burning the city to the ground. They're burning sections of the city to the ground. They're burning vehicles. And a, and a Fox News reporter comes up with this young, well-spoken African-American woman. Said, why are you burning your own city? What good does it do you to burn your own city? And the lady said, you know, we protested peacefully for three days after he died. Nobody mm-hmm. cared. Nobody came. Wasn't a camera one here in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. We light one car on fire and the whole world wants to know what's going on. What yeah. other options do we have to get our message across? I'm not condoning violence. I'm not saying that that I'm, I'm just giving you that's when the media shows up. That's the story everybody wants to tell, whether it's breaking windows of the Capitol or burning buildings in Kenosha, Minneapolis. You name the city. That's the if it bleeds, it leads. Those axioms are always going to be true. Yeah. And I think that uh, on top of that, that Carlson trying to kind of whitewash this, trying to try to make it seem as if it's something that it's not. I would say this journalistic malfeasance in every single absolutely, way absolutely couldn't put it better. And it, I, I think that it, it goes to what those court documents have said about the Fox News hosts that they're not journalists, that they're entertainers, and that they are, and by their lawyers' own admission, that they are not there to disseminate the news as much as they are to there to entertain. So I say, good job, Carlson, for creating a nice fiction for people. It's very well put together. <laughs> And unfortunately, it's uh, it's not true. So there you go. All right. When I want to watch oh, fantasy, I'll watch a little Last of Us. You know? <laughs> Spike, all day yesterday, I saw headlines. All day. It says California is going to cut ties with Walgreens. California no longer friends with Walgreens over the company's plan to drop abortion pills and then you actually read the substance of the article and this seems like to me a move by gavin newsom the governor of california to begin his 
2024 campaign for the president of the United States. Thought the exact same thing. Exact same thing. Right. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So last week, Walgreens said it was not going to distribute abortion pills in states where Republican officials have threatened legal action. Now, a blue state says that they will cut ties with the pharmacy giant because of the move. This is what Gavin Newsom said. I I pulled up the, the tweet, which is unbelievably cringy, by the way. He says, California won't be doing business with at Walgreens or any or any company that cowers to the extremists and puts women's lives at risk. And then he goes on to say, we're done, bro. We're done. He, just, he doesn't say bro, but he says, oh, we're well, done. I thought the bro was my favorite part of the tweet. <laughs> he says, we're done. Now, um, I don't know about you, Spike, but I was in California recently. There's a lot of Walgreens there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's practically one on every corner. Right. I don't know. I don't. I don't know through what authoritarian, fascistic action he would take to uproot those Walgreens and remove them from the state. I don't understand this other than some kind of a cheap shot at, at Walgreens, who is wow. bound bound by law to remind uh, the fine governor of California, bound by law to not distribute these specific medications. Now, do I agree with that? No. I mean, the, the medication that they're talking about is a medication. It's a morning, com- morning after pill, right? No, not even nope. that. Okay. It's, it's most commonly used uh, to help women who are suffering from difficult miscarriages. Okay. The most common use. Oh, the okay. Second, the second most common use is to aid in medical abortions within the first 10 weeks of pregnancy. So it's not even plan B. Okay. And it is a relatively uncommon drug that is used for this particular procedure. Okay. Now, again, just to reiterate this, Walgreens is a corporation gets a letter from the attorney generals of specific states that says under our laws that we have passed, you can no longer sell this medication. Walgreens can't say, LOL, we're going to do it anyway. See you later. Winky face. They have to comply. They have to. Other, otherwise, they will be breaking the law. I don't agree with the law. Most people don't agree with the law, but that's just the way that it works. Okay. Well, l- so, let me let me ask you this then. If, yeah. if you don't agree with the law, and most people don't agree with the law, this is a um, activist Republican administrations in 20 different GOP states. Yes. That, yeah, have, yeah. that have yeah. passed these laws. And this pill, as per your definition, and I, I don't understand what the pill was. I'm glad you clarified. Yeah. This pill helps uh, women end pregnancies through a pharmaceutical solution up to 10 weeks. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and unless your state has a six week or heartbeat ban on abortion, it's not illegal to sell these pills. Ah, uh, very good point. OK, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so these yeah. these Republican state administrations have taken it upon themselves to virtually outlaw all abortions through yes. through through threat yeah. of legal action against this retailer. So that that's that's that side of the coin. Now comes California, sixth largest economy in the world. Yeah. Okay. And what Governor Gavin Newsom has done, I feel, in this isn't fascistic or authoritarian. He's saying, look, um, Walmart, if you're going to kowtow to these Walgreens, Walgreens, I'm sorry, Walgreens, if you're going to kowtow, because we have another Walmart story, God forbid I get confused. Walgreens, (laughs) if you're going to, if you're going to kowtow to these threats of legal action from these 20 Republican states who have overreached their boundaries, going far beyond even their own laws to stop you from selling a pill that doesn't violate their laws, if you're using it up to 10 weeks, okay? If you're going to bow down to this pressure from the GOP, we're going to eliminate California's interaction with Walgreens. And you know how much how much of California's citizenry relies on state-sponsored medical assistance, also in the way of pharmaceuticals, 
right? So I got imagine what Gavin Newsom is telling Walgreens oh, is yeah. Walgreens, we're not going to reimburse any state medicine pharmaceutically in in Walgreens. Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got the stats he, right here. He's not asking. Cal- yeah. yeah, so, th- yeah. He's, so not, asking them, he's not asking them to rip up their stores and move their stores. He's not going to reimburse. Right. Okay. Yeah, so he's saying, uh, again, 13 million Californians rely on the state's Medicaid program. Another 1.5 million, including dependents up to the age of 26, are covered by CalPERS. That is uh, the retirement insurance program. Right. So he, yeah. So basically, he's saying we're not going to be doing business with you whatsoever. Right. Oh, wow. Back, back away from still... back away from the government pharmacy trough, Walgreens. You know, because because if, right. if the GOP but, is I mean, going to use was, their their power to push their agenda through a retailer like Walgreens, you know, they say, hey, Walgreens, we're going to take you to court. We're going to lock you up. We're going to press charges if you fulfill this prescription. Right. I guess maybe this is just the capitalist in me, though, Spike, is I'm very sympathetic to a business that has its hands literally tied. And they're saying, we don't want to get sued. We don't want to have to go to court. I mean, as a corporation, they're, I, I don't think that they're thinking about the consumer. They're thinking about their bottom line. Their shares dropped by, what was it, 1.75% yeah. since yeah, excuse me, one point seven seven percent yesterday following Newsom's announcement. Right. So they're in a lose lose situation. They employ something like two hundred thousand people in the state of California. I it to me it's like what what worse position you could put a business in than to for it to be a, a, a national corporation and you have some states that have these restrictions and other states that don't have those restrictions and then you, you have to make a choice about your bottom line you make that choice and then the state that normally is very friendly to you says well we don't want to play with you either then i mean it's like it just creates this the further division i suppose Whereas uh, uh, the company could just be doing business anyway. And Gavin Newsom could just say, I disagree with the decision. I don't like the decision. I will speak to the people at Walgreens directly about this decision. But to kind of showboat about it and go, we're done, bro. It's just like, come on, come on, guys. Well, maybe he's asking Walgreens to grow a pair or a spine and step up to these 20 states, these GOP-led states, and say, okay, sue away. Our 10-week pill doesn't violate your 15-week abortion ban. Okay, as, as opposed to letting Walgreens well, how, kowtow to these 20 yeah. Republican state legislatures. And he's doing it through the power of economics, well, I think, which is the biggest club in his golf bag. I think that the other part of the thing with this drug, though, is it can it looks like it can be used up to 20 weeks, depending. But that's that's for miscarriages, though. So I think that and now we're getting into kind of the medical weeds. It on is. It, we are totally yeah. getting the medical weeds. And I think what we ought to be focusing on which from neither Walgreens perspective or Californians perspective is the people that are in the middle of this football fight. I mean, these people are being used as a political football by 20 state GOP legislatures saying, you know, you can't help these citizens, even if it's in their medical best interest, because we've passed laws saying you can't since Roe v. Wade was overturned. And then there's people in California who need need Walgreens to fill their state prescriptions and now they can't anymore. There's no plan from the from the governor's office as to yeah. what those citizens are supposed to do if Walgreens was their solution for getting their state. I mean, I know there are other pharmacies, but that, that's, you know, that's a additional burden on the citizens of California with Gavin Newsom having no no plan to what to do for these people if they don't have Walgreens as an access. You ever try to take your meds somewhere else? It's a pain. Right. It's impossible. So and here's the other thing I didn't think about. If I'm a woman in Kansas and, you know, God forbid I have a a. A, 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 a miscarriage a or, or miscarriage. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. 
at, at week 14, let us just say. And I, my doctor, my OBGYN prescribes me this particular medication, which is designed for exactly a, a, a miscarriage, not, not an abortion. Right. You're telling me that I can't go to a Walgreens to get that medication, which is designed to save my life. Exactly. That to me is probably the most egregious part of all of this, right? That, that they're so fixated on the abortion issue that they're not actually looking at women's health in general, in which they would be saying... Well, we have to we have to do something to care for these women for which this medication was originally intended. Exactly. Right? Chris, so, well, we actually got a really good text in from Sandy frust- Sandy in Olympia. She said, uh, remember, Walgreens owns 1900 Rite Aids, which owns Bartels, but no Bartels in California. And mm. I just looked that up and that's correct. Mm. That info is correct. Is that going to be a company wide ban then from from Bartels Walgreens? I don't know, but I mean, once you talk Walgreens Rite Aid, there's what it's left. CBS. So. Yeah, not, not much is left. You're right. Yeah. So, Spike, there's a story out of Axios talking about how little stresses add up over the day. I think everybody kind of knows this. this yeah. Someone says something unkind. Someone says something that is you know, maybe not the most polite. You stress for time. All these things kind of add up. This is why I try to be as kind as possible and understanding as possible. For instance, Spike O'Neill, when you were supposed to be at the show meeting on time and you decided that you had better things to do with your time. So we had to move it over a whole half an hour to accommodate Spike O'Neill's celebrity status. Uh, hey, man, choose- you know, finding a good pedicurist <laughs> and getting time and a translator is tough. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so so the, my my kind of philosophy in life that I've had for the last year is that it's more important to be kind and generous to people than anything else. Right. It's more important to be uh, delicate with people because everybody's got stuff going on and you never know what's going to be the one thing that kind of pushes somebody over the edge. So this article talks about that thing and they actually have a fascinating study within it that says if you uh, have a even a, a relatively minor social stress that is experienced within two hours of a meal, your metabolism of that meal is disrupted and the effect is the equivalent of adding 104 calories to that meal. If that happens every day, it adds up to 11 pounds a year. That's per the Harvard Business Review. And so I ask you, Spike O'Neill, you said that you ruined I did. somebody's lunch the other day. Do you want to tell that story or do you uh, want to uh, tell that story? Sure. I, no, I, I will because I care that I'm doing this. I didn't notice I was doing this to folks. Yeah. You know, you, 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 when people are unhealthy... Yeah. And they and they 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 look huge. Um, it, they are stressed about so many things in their life. And you, they say people swallow their stress. And yes. this point that you know stress changes your metabolism and causes you to not be able to process the food you eat. And when your body doesn't process food, it converts it to fat. So I've literally I think this person might be at a health risk because of my behavior. <laughs> We're talking about the boss here. Yeah. We're talking about Captain Oakley. Yeah. You know, um, and I I I, I, I want to be respectful. <laughs> Um, so the talking other about, talking about Brian, Brian, yeah. our boss, who's, I mean, yeah. the smartest guy I've ever met in radio. I got, I'm, I'm yeah. serious. I've done a lot of people in radio guy really is on top of his game. And we were doing a show last week and I kind of went off the handle on something and I, and I probably went a little too far yeah. on a topic and I, and I steamrolled over. You didn't even let you get a sentence out. And I went in, I went into the boss in the middle of her show in a commercial break. I said, Hey boss, I'm sorry. I think I owe, you know, an apology. So do me a favor, listen back to the thing. And as, as I'm saying this to him, just, you know, barging into his office because it was an open door, <laughs> right? Without any regard for what he's doing or where he's at in his day. And I dumped this bat guava or bat guano on his, uh, bat guava, bat guano on his desk. 
And I look down and he's got this beautiful sandwich. He's about to have his lunch. And he gives me this. And the head drops, you know, and I walk away thinking, God, Spike, you are such a, a nugget. What a what a butthead you are for. No, I think that's, well, you know, Spike, you, you do. You're very reminiscent of the Kool-Aid man with people's offices. I, right? yeah, I, I, I use the Kool-Aid <laughs> challenge in conversation. Now. I'm taking that from the TikTok kids. That's great. So, but I think that, you know, there's something about being aware of when we, we bring somebody our, our stressors, right? That we bring somebody else, the things that are uh, uh, upsetting us and, and I guess expecting that other person to help us navigate that. Like I, I called an old buddy of mine while he was deep cleaning his apartment. And, and he was looking forward to doing this for, for weeks because he wanted his old roommate moved out. His old roommate is a really messy guy. So he's looking forward to taking some alone time, putting in the earbuds, maybe listen to some uh, some Blink-182 or the starting line or Good Charlotte or whatever he listens to. And I call him and I go, hey, bud, you got a minute? And he, he goes, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, cleaning at the moment. And I go, well, let me tell you about my ex-wife. And then <laughs> so, oh so, so I think for me, one of the things that I've been practicing a lot is trying to realize when when somebody is not when you have not officially invited that person in as much as you're insisting that yeah. they listen to you. Right. So, yeah. I mean, we, we talked for about 45 minutes. He was very sweet to help me out. But I think that uh, that having that that awareness of of asking somebody, hey, are you busy? Do you mind if I talk about this or do you want to? circle back is this around, a good you know, time kind of, is there I, yeah. I, I can always call back with a better time yeah that's so that's good and thoughtful i yeah, found that yeah. i've tended to unburden myself with my stress and just dropping it like a flaming bag of dog manure on somebody's porch and running away because <laughs> you know, after i went and told hey bro i think i screwed up that was my apology and i stopped yeah. worrying about it it's yeah. your problem now enjoy your lunch <laughs> i gotta stop doing that